A person who commits suicide or mass murder isn't who you think they are. He isn't even who he thinks he is. He has assumed the identity of someone else. Somebody has gotten inside of him. I know this sounds a little dramatic, a little science fiction-y, but bear with me. Have an open mind here. It's true. Now, I know what the TV pundits are saying. I know how the psychologists speculate about it. Forget that for a moment, please. I know what your favorite politician is saying. They're all wrong. They don't know. Oh, you know, right, Dan? Yes, I do. And I'm going to tell you. I don't get excited when you hear it, all right? Try not to get too upset with me. Don't judge me. The cause of all human violence is a phenomenon. It is beyond the understanding of intellect. They can't analyze it. They don't understand it. Smart, intelligent people, educated people. But they cannot wrap their heads around this. And that is because it is metaphysical. And for this reason, experts will always look toward the wrong solutions. The criminologists, the psychologists, they're all confused. They don't understand the nature of mankind and have no idea what they're dealing with. It's beyond them. Most of them, anyway. It's worse than they could ever imagine. But it's also simpler to solve than they will ever likely know. Now, I'm not a religious kook. I'm not a minister or a preacher. I'm not a new ager or anything like that. If you read my books or my blogs or if you've seen any of my videos, you know that. But what I'm about to tell you is a little spooky. It's also deadly serious. I am serious about this. Not only do I live my life with this understanding, but I base my family on it, my relationship with my wife. I raise my children by this. And they're grown up now, very successful. Look, I joke around a lot, I know that, but this can be serious, okay? So here we go. Individuals who are compelled to kill others or themselves are in what I call a concluded identity crisis. Now, don't worry what I mean by that, just identity crisis. I write about it in some of my blogs. All I mean by that is that they're judgmental. They cannot help it. They've come to a conclusion about the world, about themselves, about people. They cannot help themselves. They're judgmental. They're angry. They're in a suppressed state. But they're unconscious to the point where they're committed or devoted to something terrible inside them. Something that directs them. It's a lower self-identity within that plays God through them, through their eyes, through their ears, through their actions, their lives. It judges others, but it also judges the individual too. It judges them. A person could eventually become so convinced by this alter entity, which he thinks of as himself, but isn't, so convinced that he and others must not continue living that he acts. Random killings, mass murders, suicides, all committed, with no exception, by self-absorbed approval seekers. People who've been infected with this identity, passed on through a parent, and it now resides inside them. Now, psychologists and psychiatrists call it ego. Now, you can call it that if you like. It's not so scary that way, right? Fine. I call it a dark invader that no one sees, but develops and grows in them. We all see the results, though. 
even though it's hidden for the most part. But the person sees it, they hear it too. They think it's them. And it's not. That's why I call it a concluded crisis of identity. And that's why I say they aren't who they seem. They aren't who they think they are. They've become who they've hated. And they've taken in that angry nature. Now, I'm not talking about demonic possession here. I could. I could talk about that. But I'm not. Not now. I'm talking about the evolution of a nature within, of anger. It's cultivated over time. It gets in there very early in a person's life. It's implanted by either a parent, a caregiver, or some other tormentor or tormentors, bullies, teachers who betrayed them when they were very young, children, babies. It happened when they were defenseless and in need of parental love from a mother, from a father, from biological parents, and they didn't get any. Dad ran away. Mom was a bitch. Or dad was a weak nothing, couldn't stand up to his wife, or else he was a bully and a terror to them all. Whichever. He wasn't a whole virtuous man for his wife or for his children. He was a letdown, a disappointment. And disappointment is resentment, judging. Children are conditioned to judge by their parents' misbehaviors. So instead of love, they got an emotional conveyance of anger. It always starts at the hands, sorry, but it's, it's at the hands of an impatient mother, usually with no husband to intervene, no fatherly love that she could depend on to show her and her baby how to survive, how to thrive in a world that's full of injustice without hating the injustice. Fatherless homes or family environments that are influenced by weak, demoralized men who have no honor, no, no authority to guide a family, they are at fault. The kids become contaminated. There is a bitter nature and energy that's passed on to them, and that energy, anger, becomes the managing force of their lives, not love, and they spend their lives trying to escape it. It's a bitter irritable spirit that dwells inside them and feeds on that anger. They're tormented and it grows, nourishing on the irritation and the discontentment that comes out of poorly met life events. It spins even more resentment all through their lives. Now, okay, here's the kicker. <laughs> one, one you may not like. So bear with me here. No one that fails to learn how to properly meet the stress of life this negative energy will escape this principle, and that includes you. It includes all of us, and certainly those who commit these violent acts that spread so much misery and horror through suicide and mass murder. And it becomes worse under the influence of, of these psychoactive medications, SSRIs, right? Narcotic religious practices even, or excesses, indulgences like food, sex, gambling, drugs, all of these just prolong the gratification of conscience. Antidepressants and ADHD medications, those are big ones. They enable an unholy self, that ego, to enlarge 
and to reach appalling proportions. Inflated egos pulling the strings of a person to become monsters. That's how it works. Children entering the public school system are placed under the care of teachers and administrators who just haven't got the patience or they haven't got the skill or both to manage or to discipline these anger-infected students. Oh, they're routinely scanned and evaluated, but then they're medicated with powerful psychotropic drugs. And then the schools become artificially subdued madhouses, and the anger continues to feed the infection that's inside these kids. Something horrible within takes over, takes over their thinking, takes over their behaviors. Now, I'm talking about some of the most traumatized students. It doesn't happen to all of them, obviously. But the most traumatized ones, pre-traumatized at home, they become ticking time bombs that can go off on a, on a violent spree at any moment. Most of them don't, thank God. But many of them become drug addicts, bullies, alcoholics, foodaholics, sexaholics, workaholics, overcome with obsessions. And then others, they do explode or implode. And it is terror. There is a terrorist within. And no one seems to notice as it's going on. They don't act as if they do anyway. Everyone gets normalized. Oh, <laughs> they see the obnoxious, narcissistic attitude, maybe some antisocial behavior. But by and large, it is, it is ignored. Maybe they're sent to a counselor. But then the counselors refer them to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist only has one solution. Drugs. And now it gets worse. It gets vocal. It's inside, and it speaks. Have you heard it? I just said everyone's affected, right? <laughs> That's the voice in your head that nags you. How you forgot to turn the iron off when you did. Or that you're an idiot. Or that you're wonderful. But now with some people, it gets louder, stronger, more demanding. It takes charge. Because eventually the individual cannot tell where it and he begins and ends. That's the identity crisis. Some of these conscience-numbed drug people become so unified with it, they become one with it, with their ego, that one day it tells them to do something terrible. And they do it. They think it's their own idea. It's as if they're under a spell. They can't disobey. It's compulsory. And so it's off to the crowded mall, to the school campus, the workplace, or the nearest rock show with a dank K-47. Or maybe over to the rail of a bridge, or to the edge of a subway platform, or under a door jam, right, to slip their neck into a suspended belt loop, like Robin Williams, or David Forster Wallace. They have no control over their actions, but something with a capital S inside them does. It spreads the nature of resentment as widely as it can. The wider, the better. I'm sure you've heard the expression, then all hell broke loose, right? Well, this is it. This is hell breaking loose. There's no scientific or clinical treatment for this phenomenon. It is a metaphysical problem. It has a metaphysical solution, and it's rooted in spirituality, not religion, not even classic spirituality, but a certain state of graciousness, a way of living that disconnects from that dark entity that I'm talking about. This is scary stuff. I get that. I don't care. 
I've been dealing with this in people for over 20 years. And some of us come to experience that fourth dimension of existence and become immune to it. Most people don't, though. The solution is not based in medications. It's not based on chemical brain tampering, manipulating legislation, laws, education, re-education. It's based in human awareness. And you can only attain that through consciousness by reuniting with the creator to whom all of us are originally connected at birth. We're born free. And then we become slaves. And while society continues to deteriorate more and more, angry people just suppressing their emotions, feeding this dark entity within us all, and as medicine comes to the rescue, the clinicians, the pharmaceutical companies, of course, doctors, science, bringing more and more drugs, more and more therapies, placebos, whatever it is, we are going to see increasingly more violence, more people beginning to erupt from within. And those events will be mass murders and suicides, or both. It could be epidemic. It is epidemic. It's going to be close to all of us. Everyone who learns to properly face the stress of life, meeting every inevitable negative energy that comes along that's packed into resentment, meet that with grace. Everyone who does that develops immunity to resentment. They become patient, loving human beings, and they no longer hate. They learn to love, forgiving those who have trespassed against them. I propose the same solution for you too, for all the world. All it takes to meet the cruelties and the injustices of the world and to survive unscathed is in practicing simple stillness and consciousness. And it's done through a unique form of meditation that I call non-contemplative meditation. It's an exercise that's unlike anything you've ever seen, anything you've ever heard, anything you've ever practiced before. It's not affiliated with any organized religion, fellowship, pop spiritual movement, or cult. It isn't influenced by, or it's not even compatible with, with Dharmic or Eastern cultures. It's not part of any New Age philosophy. This is 100% compatible with individual faiths across all denominations and will not conflict with your Judeo-Christian beliefs. This very special technique allows you to become mindfully conscious to your thoughts in a way where your anxiety, your depression, vices, fear of financial insecurity and of people will resolve completely and quickly. There's no coursework, no workbooks, nothing to learn, Nothing to join. There are no donations to send. No sermons or seminars to attend. No human effort is required from you at all to receive the benefit except to practice non-contemplative meditation exactly as described and nothing more. And you can have it free. It's on my website. I give the web address. What's the web address? www.schwarz.com. Schwarzhoffmedia.com, www.schwarzhoffmedia.com. And I hope a lot of people go there to get it. It's for free. Yeah. So, okay. You, I'm talking, you know, so I'm, so I'm talking about this because, because of the, you know, in light of the, of recent events, I'm going to write some more blogs about this. 
Because this, okay. this is a big story. This is like the biggest story this year. Oh yeah. It'll probably, it probably, hopefully, it'll be the big. I hope there there are no more stories this big this year. Right. But I was thinking, when I was a kid, when I was in the um, sixth, no, fifth grade, in the Bronx, <laughs> in uh, St. Raymond's Elementary School, uh, we, we had a big deal. Uh, John Tracy, that was his name. John Tracy, his father worked, I think his father worked for the CIA or the FBI. He wasn't just a regular cop, right? He was, uh, uh, he was I think he was FBI. He was a federal employee. He was a federal employee, right? right. CIA federal? I know you would think they are, but- Of course. Are they independent? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, the, um, I always get the CIA, FBI, and Secret Service. They're all- they're, Well, they're all federal. They're all federal. Federal, not meaning executive branch, but federal government okay. as opposed to a state government. Well, anyway, John Tracy, <laughs> sitting there in, in the in the in the uh, fifth grade, Mrs. Beale's class, and the, on the Castle Hill Avenue in the Bronx, and um, he's got this envelope, and this uh, like an, you know Manila envelope, and he pulls he reaches in, and we're sitting there in class. He reaches into the envelope, and he pulls it out, and there's a gun. It's like this huge. I don't know what caliber was it. A revolver or a? It was what a kind of gun. Yeah, it was a revolver. <laughs> it was a gun. It was a real gun. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? And, and, but at that time, it was really different. Those, these, those were different times. They'd be like, wow, that's cool. Let me see. No, don't touch it. It's my father's. Yeah. Is it loaded? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Is it really loaded? I think it is. And he put put it back in the, don't tell anybody. I said, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. And uh, he, I, I guess I wasn't the only one he showed because um, within like three minutes, <laughs> a couple of minutes, he came in and took him away. And uh, I don't know, he just kind of disappeared. No, no, he came no. back. No, no. <laughs> no, he came back. He came back. Why was it in an envelope? Because it was hard, because it was huge. It was a, it must have been a 44 caliber. I don't know. It was gigantic. Hmm. Um, and he did not get, you know, he didn't go to jail or anything. He didn't have to, I don't know. I don't think he, he probably had to see a psychi- psychologist or something, a psychiatrist, maybe. Really? For that? I would imagine they did something. I don't know. Back then, really? But they came, you know, he came back and uh, it wasn't a big deal. He was told, don't do that again. And he was, you know, he did, he was missed an afternoon of classes and then he came back. But, and he was a problem child. He was, a, he, oh, he was, a, he was a, a terror. He really was a, he wasn't like one of the greater, he wasn't a stellar performer. Did you say his name? Do we need to take that out? Do we need to bleep? No, we don't have to take it. <laughs> no, I hope he hears it. <laughs> I remember what you did. You realize it's like 1968, yeah. 1967. Um, and John Tracy, you'll know too. I know you have red hair and you live in Country Club in the Bronx. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, anyway, he, he, what, nothing really, it didn't make the newspapers. Wasn't, well, he didn't shoot it and he didn't kill 20 people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's well, absolutely. and of course, a revolver couldn't kill 20 people. No. Um, what, okay. What? You can kill several. No, the point I'm making is, is, uh, the problem people have with these guns, like an AR, is that how, how many rounds you can shoot off before somebody can stop you, you know? Right. Magnum, what, like five rounds? I don't know. There are different chambers, but you're done. But like, you know, um, AR is like 30 round mag. You can get a 30 round mag for an AR. Oh yeah. Um, 
Anyway, most most um, gun related deaths in the U.S. Mm-hmm. are done with handguns. About that's true. If you include suicide, about two percent of gun related deaths are with rifles. Right. Not even ARs, just rifles in general. Right. With the, you know what they call long guns. Yeah, a long gun, right. right. So most of them, that means 90, like 98%, and maybe that's changed since <clears throat> like 2016 or whatever, but 98% are done with handguns, with pistols. Right. So so now the, the uh, so now the, the Democrats and the Republicans, right, are all, right. Now, now they're setting their sides apart, they're split down the middle on this issue, and, you know, we have the administration is going to go, well, it seems, we don't know what's going to happen, but- you know, it seems like they're, for, you know, one side is forming on the side of mental health and the other side is forming on the side of gun control. Right. Right. And it's weird because the side, the, the, the Republican side, they don't want gun control. Right. But they do want mental health. Right. But right. they're being accused of not wanting mental health. It's so strange. It's so weird. What do you mean not wanting mental health? Well, because you know, uh, not providing funding for healthcare and you know, the cutting back, cutting budget, budget cuts, they're being accused of of making people, you know, not get mental treatment as if you can't. Well, be it is hypocritical to do what to advocate, uh, to try and I don't know to to try and propose mental health while at the same time um, advocate budget cuts. I I don't know. To me, you have to pick one. Okay. Um, well, money doesn't fix. Doesn't fix it. I don't. I don't want to get into that. No, you don't want to get into politics, about it. but really. yes, I. I. I'm just. I'm just saying, um, taking the fiscally responsive party and saying we need to put more money toward mental health, right? Um, could be construed as hypocritical. Of course it is. Of course, and I'm saying I think it is because putting money towards it goes against your other tenant. You know, there are other ways to promote uh, promote things you think are good other than just putting government money toward it, but. Anyway, well, the thing is, money is not going to make anyone ment- mentally healthy. What they are, mm-hmm. what they are proposing, because when they, th- of course, I want everyone wants mental health. They want people to be mentally healthy, but what they are proposing is nothing more than just more medications. Right, that's the Let, problem. Let's unroot more. Let's let's uncover more mentally ill people and give them more medications. Yeah, and that is going to make it worse. That is going to make it worse. You remove. You'll need the gun control. You'll need. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They work together. You will need the gun control. It'll be so. You're actually creating the problem you think you're solving and making it worse. And you will have to have gun control. Right. Medicate the people. So the average person listening to this right now, unless they've read my books and, you know, know what I talk about, aren't going to understand this. But when you remove, when you medicate someone Mm -hmm. okay when you take away their pain when you take away their their guilt okay for when you take away the the pain they feel the agony they feel inside for being resentful for being judgment for being angry yeah they they haven't lost their anger there's anger inside them you take that away that person gets angrier okay it's subdued yeah smoothed over but they're getting worse they are developing that's feeding a self within them that eventually will talk to them and will tell them, pick that up and shoot those people. I mean, it happens, this sort of thing happens in schoolyards. It's the kid who, you know, is in the schoolyard and, and is told by a voice in his head, hey, go punch that kid in the mouth. For no reason, go over and punch somebody in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Mm-hmm. That is, that is a, a, a broken child, obviously. 
but they're broken adults or broken older children, young adults. They hear this thing that talks to them. Everybody has had, um, they really are, there's a good way to describe it, are errant thoughts that come into your brain and and just say something ridiculous. Like, you know, in the middle of class, like, hey, what if I got up and left? Or, or just ridiculous yeah, right, things right. That, that you would think. And some of them can be... Um, almost a little scary sometimes, not necessarily about hurting people, but just, just like, oh man, like that would, you know, socially ruin me if I did this right now. Why would that thought even occur to me? Right. But the problem is once, and those are, not, they're not normal in that you should have them, but I think they happen to everybody at, at some point. Everybody has that. Right. Everyone has that. Right. But so, you don't act on it because you're disengaged from it. Right. But you want to hear one of mine? Not, no, I, I, yeah, I might edit it out. We'll see. <laughs> what? No. no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you know what you know? Which one I'm going to tell you? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no. Well, when I was a little kid, I was uh, I went to Holy Family. I think I do know Catholic okay. school, and and then this little voice was telling me we were in church, some sort of thing. I don't remember what for. I think it was catechism or something. And we were, we were in the church, and I was sitting there in the pew. I think I was in third grade, second, maybe second grade. And sitting there, you know, we had a little white shirt on, little ties, and uh, the priest is talking. <laughs> And this voice told me, get out in the aisle, walk halfway up the aisle, okay, turn around, pull down your pants and moon the priest. <laughs> so I did. No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't do it. So was, it, was this a good thought or an errant thought? <laughs> no, that was oh, a good thought. Okay. No. Um, but the point is, if you, if you understand thoughts yeah. and you can observe them and let them pass right. and not get scared or resent yourself for for receiving that thought right um i find that you're fine it it passes and that's everyone it. has it yeah. every thought that you have every thought that goes through your head is not does not originate within in yourself right see people don't people hear that and it, it freaks them out yeah every thought that you have in your head does not originate with you it comes from an outer source thoughts there's no such and there are no good thoughts there are no such thing as good thoughts they're right just, they're just thoughts that's hard to wrap your head around. So if you are being <laughs> if you are being medicated. If you're being medic yes, go ahead. And you're medicating away any um You're not medicating away thoughts. No, you're not medicating no, of course not. But you're leaving yourself susceptible to more and more of this. Oh yeah. Right. A absolutely. Oh, totally. Because what happens is see where that where those where those thoughts come from come from a dark place within the nature of an entity that resides inside. Right. And that thing grows. It feeds on anger. It feeds on bitterness. It feeds on discontentment. It feeds on resentment. And when it does, it, it emboldens and gets it gets bigger. That's where we talk about, you know, deflate. People want their ego. People think they're going to get rid of their ego. They're not going to, right? But they, um, it inflates instead of deflates. Yeah. And becomes more prevalent and becomes more in control and gets to talk to you. That's what the people who have schizophrenia, let's say, right? They have that name, schizophrenia. It's just a name. Yeah. It's pe people, one of the symptoms is hearing voices. Yeah. Well, there is no such thing as schizophrenia. Right. Not really. These people are hearing, the, the, that's just the name they put on Basically, it. Basically, they live with something talking to them. Something right. talking. Or multiple of, things. Well, the thing in, you know. mm, that's another another whole topic. We'll talk about that <laughs> one day. But I'm not talking about the, there's the main thing, which is your lower self. Right. Yes, but other, other things do well, I, get invited I, to join I, in. I wasn't, um, 
I was characterizing it. I wasn't going to the actual cause. Oh, okay. Right. I was just characterizing what it what it is like. You know, basically, you live with, um, <laughs> I'll call it imaginary friend, but uh, something talks to you like all yes. day long, right? Let's let's. We're just developing our podcast channel, so let's 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 not scare everybody away right now. Okay, we only have a few up yet. Um, another interesting uh, statistic I was reading um, is I think about a f- fifth, eighteen percent of um, only eighteen percent of gun-related crimes are committed by uh, by somebody who legally owns the gun. Mm-hmm. So that means that the rest are all done by somebody who has either stolen it. Or taken it, or illegally purchased it, etc. So <clears throat> you're already breaking the law with these guns, right? You know what I mean. Yeah. So there's no reason to think that more restrictions would no help. No, you can so. put. Rec- Listen, you could take away all of the guns in the world. Every the problem is everyone's dealing with this on such a pragmatic basis, and you would expect them to, but there would be no need to deal with it if we could just get a handle on anger. Mm-hmm. If we could get a handle on gaining mastery over resentment, and that happens, that's why I gave a little plug for the for the meditation yeah. a few minutes ago. If people would just do that, not only, okay, no one is going to, the idea is not to prevent a school shooting, okay? If that boy had met, had come across me, this never would have happened, I guarantee you. If he had taken, you know, taken, uh, taken to what I, to what I do here. But uh, Nicholas Cruz is the name, by Nicholas the way. Nicholas Cruz. Yeah. His parents are saying, uh, he, he was adopted. Yeah. Right. I don't know what age he was adopted at, but his, uh, his adoptive parents are, uh, basically saying they had no idea. I think the quote is like, we had no idea a monster was living with us or something like that. Well, um, you can't, you, you cannot know. have bio, you have to have your biological mother and your biological father. Yeah. Especially the biological father, because he's the only one that's going to keep, and if, if it's a good biological father, if he's a rotten biological father, you can, you can still raise a monster. Right. You can't be weak. You can't be a bully. He's got to be connected. <laughs> connected with, he's got to be heavenly connected. Oh, okay. I talk about, well, I talk, not that kind of connection. He's got to be connected with. He's got to be connected to that fourth dimension of existence that I talk about. Hmm. He's at peace. He has love in his heart, and he transfers that love to his children. A majority of these mass murders are committed by, well, young adult males, right? Of course. Um, Young adult males without fathers. Correct. That's a majority of them. Correct. It's a majority of them. Correct. And if they do have a father, just to disprove it, I'll show you where they didn't have a father. Because that father was not there. There was something wrong with that father, if he was there, and it would have to be a biological father also, because uh, you know, non-biological foster fathers, foster fathers can't do the job. I know adoptive you, adopt you, you need them because otherwise we'd have so many children with no fathers. But it's better than nothing. Yeah. But it's really usually it's rarely enough. Hmm. I I don't know if it's ever enough. Frankly, I shouldn't even say rarely. I shouldn't even say because I should work, be enough sometimes. No. I never met one that was, so I, I say I don't know. I can't. I wish I could say that I've met so many of them that some of them weren't, some of them weren't. No, I've only met a few. I don't know. I'll say a hundred, at least that, and it has never worked. Fathers or kids? 
uh, kid, not kids, adults. You know, saying adoptive people. or adopted. No, no, I have never met. I have never met a, a person from an adopted who was raised by an adopted father. Yeah, that was sane. Right. Never. Yeah. I know anyone listening to this would would take great offense, but I could show you where it's true. It also depends what uh what parameters you're setting for for your word well, sane. Because they're full of anger. Yes. They're full of anger. They're unhealthy mentally and physically, and they're just full of anger. Okay. Okay. Um anything else? Um I don't want to get too heavy. It's a very, very heavy topic, and I think maybe we should go into it into the, into the future in the future. But let's go into the future. <laughs> Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, I think we've been over this, but, uh, the difference between the non-contemplative meditation and the, and dharmic meditation. Okay. I just want to talk about, uh, what those, what Eastern meditations do. Ooh. Um, well. Do you, do you not want to do that right now? We no, I wasn't have, in the mood for that. All but, right, we don't have to do but that. But I'll, but I'll, I'll just say there's a big, I should cover, I'll cover that in a future blog. Right. I, I want to, um. Because I don't like to, because dharmic, when I say dharmic, I don't like to come out and impugn a particular religion or something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of them. So you've picked a word nobody's ever heard before? So, no. Dharmic? No. I picked that up from you. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, um, I get it means Eastern. Yeah, the Eastern religions. Eastern religions. Well, yeah. they're, re- they're not even really religions, but they're philosophies. Eastern philosophies. Eastern right. philosophies. Um, Meditations. Yeah, they use meditations that are very uh, escapist and right. very, very hypnotic. Right. And they put you in a trance. And they use a lot of methods that I'm, <laughs> I know exactly what they're doing. And they don't work. They don't remove the anger. Oh, no, they don't remove the anger. Well, they, they show you how to suppress the anger. Right. They show you how to you know, put on a happy face. Um, but they're what they call... I know they're, they're different. You know, pantheism is another word. None... Non-duality, a lot of these things were where these non-duality. Well, non-duality, where we're all, you know, we're why don't all, they call it singularity? Because that's another that has another application. Oh, yeah, that has another. People get into this intellectual analysis when it's they really don't have to. It's just so simple. But uh, a lot of these religions, uh, non-duality, and um, what's the other word? I dharmic. Uh, out of these, you are derived all of these philosophies and these theories, you know, the law of attraction and Course in Miracles and all these. They're all phony. Yeah. They're, oh my God, they're all phony. Um, new old, new age, new thought, you mm-hmm. know, think it, you can think and make it true. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you can materialize, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about that one day. It's a big subject. It's a big right. subject. We're going to have a page coming up by the summer, I hope, which is going to help people program from those cults like the curse and miracles cult the uh law of attraction you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um what what is that what is that uh is that the book what what is the law of attraction thing called oh um no 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 the you're thinking of i call it a curse and miracles no 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 oh. law of attraction it has a name oh yeah the secret oh yeah the secret the secret the yeah. secret <laughs> Ooh. the secret i want to know the secret it's really, it's really horrendous, no. or horrendously wicked. Anyway, um, all right. I have nothing else to talk about. Do you have anything else? No. Um, if you want to check out 
my dad's blogs. You can check out the website, schwarzhoffmedia.com. Uh, there's also a newsletter that goes out every Monday night. Right. If you'd like to. Unless we um, forget, and then it goes out Tuesday morning. That's the second time you said <laughs> Well, it, it's, it, it's not the second yeah, time Yeah, we should let happened. them know. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and that's uh, personal uh, content, exclusive content, updates. Um, we get something thoughtful and send it out um, every every Monday night. Um, and that's about it. Okay. Well, that's it for today, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is episode number three. And join us again next time.